All right. So last week we began uh, looking into what it means to increase. Uh, if you were here, you'll remember that. Um, if, you, if you weren't here, one, one of the things we said was that we, we just believe that God wants us to increase. He wants us to grow uh, in every area. And, and you know, what, is, what does that look like? We, we wanted to, to press into the, the whole idea of, of what does it mean to increase? What does it mean to increase in giving? And what does it mean to, to increase in faith? And what does it mean to increase in uh, wisdom? What does it mean to increase uh, in humility? What, what does it mean to increase in the things of the Spirit and, and the things that God has called us to? Because none of us, I, I don't think, if we took a survey and we said, how many of you want uh, to finish this year exactly where you started. Uh, I don't think any of us would vote for that. I think we all want to be able to say we've grown, we've increased. I remember my first report card I ever got. It said, you know, it's first grade, and it said needs improvement. <laughs> you know, there, I, I, I wasn't progressing in every area. There were two things I needed improvement in. Plays well with others eats well in the lunchroom. And I'm happy to say that I eat well in the lunchroom now. So I've increased. And we all want to increase. We want to grow. But what exactly does that look like? In John 14, 1, Jesus says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Very simple thing. Uh, When he was asked about growing in faith, Smith Wigglesworth said, first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. Faith must grow by soil, moisture, and exercise. Just think about that. Faith has to grow by soil, moisture, and exercise. Now, I believe that soil is the Word of God. As you read the Bible, it tells you about the faithfulness of God. If you want to grow in faith, you need to know that you serve and that you actually are a child of a God who is faithful. And as you read through the Bible, it will tell you that God is faithful and that He is trustworthy. I believe that the moisture... Uh, that Wigglesworth is talking about, is a life of prayer. Uh, Prayer will develop friendship with God. As you allow the Lord to lead you into a life of prayer and to teach you what it looks like to really pray, more than just to say your prayers like we learned when we were small, but to actually learn to enter into conversation with God where we're listening to him and we're talking with him and we're actually engaging in a communion with a living God. As you begin to move into a life of prayer, it will lead you into friendship with God. And and as you learn to experience him, you will want to trust him. Uh, The exercise part, you know, it's just like everything. Uh, The exercise part is the part we don't like. You know, we like the increase. We might even like the soil and the moisture. But the exercise, 
The exercise is suffering. Unfortunately, or fortunately, uh, the exercise is suffering and it's difficulty. And it may be the least desirable, but it is a very necessary teacher. The Bible even says that Jesus learned obedience through suffering. Now, uh, growing in faith comes down to one simple thing. Do we trust God? That's really what, what it boils down to. If you want to grow in faith, it boils down to that. Simply put, do we trust God? Now, I know we say we trust God. We may even declare that we trust God. We may pray it out loud in front of the masses. We trust you, God. But the the real question, if we want to grow in faith, is do we trust God? Now, in first century Palestine, they had an agenda. What they wanted in first century Palestine was they wanted to accelerate or uh, hasten the establishment of the kingdom of God. They wanted God's kingdom to come, and they wanted it to come quickly. They wanted it to be established more quickly than it was happening. If there was anything they could do to hasten the establishment of God's kingdom on earth, tell us what what it is, and we'll do it. And Jesus had one answer or one recipe. He proposed one way to hasten the establishment of the kingdom of God on earth. And it was, trust God and trust me. Trust God and trust me. Now, this was not a fringe plan for the few. Jesus didn't say, okay, I want all of you, the masses, to believe, and then I want the select few who are going to be leaders, you know, the apostles and the prophets, I want you to trust that's not what he said. He, he invited everyone, everyone who would call themselves a follower, he invited them to trust because it was at the core of this thing. Faith, listen to me closely, faith is not born out of belief. The Bible says that the demons in hell believe. Faith is not born out of belief. Faith is born in the place of trust. Faith is born in the place of trust. Mother Teresa was asked one time, somebody who had gone to serve with her, they asked her, will you pray for me and will you pray that God gives me clarity? Anybody ever prayed for clarity? I have. I I confess. I have prayed for clarity. When this person asked Mother Teresa, will you pray that God will give me clarity? She said, no. I will not. I will pray that God will allow you to let go of clarity. Because when you let go of the need for clarity you will have trust. Our single most urgent need, our single most urgent need is an 
unflinching belief in the absolute unwavering love of our Heavenly Father. That is the single thing that we need more than anything else. It's an unflinching, unwavering belief in the absolute unwavering love of our Heavenly Father. When we get to the place where we truly believe that we are loved, it changes everything. It changes everything. Who who would trust, who would want to trust someone that they were unsure of? It is difficult to trust people when you don't know where you stand with them. And so this unflinching belief in the absolute unwavering love of God is essential. Now I'll tell you all a little secret. We have a heavenly father and he thinks about me all the time. Go figure. He does. He thinks about me all the time. I hope that doesn't hurt your feelings. But he does. He just All he does all the time is think about me. He thinks about me. He watches me. He helps me. He encourages me. He speaks love to me all the time. He thinks about me all the time. The good news is he's thinking about you too all the time. All the time. The Bible says that he knows everything that happens to the sparrows, just the tiniest of birds. He knows everything that happens. He knows every time a feather falls off. He knows every time the wind blows a certain way and and blows a a sparrow off course as it flies. He, He knows every single thing that happens in the life of a tiny bird. And you are so much more important to him than that bird. Because you are the gem of creation. And he thinks about you all the time. All the time. Living a life of regret spent remembering past sins and failures reveals our lack of trust because our Heavenly Father has said you are forgiven. He has said it. It's in His book, this book that He has written that is His message from Him to you is filled with words that express His forgiveness towards you. He has gone to great lengths to purchase forgiveness on your behalf and to extend it to you freely and for us to continue to look back with a sense of regret and a sense of shame over past sins simply says, I know you said you forgive me, but I just don't believe it, which says, I don't trust you. Brendan Manning in his book, Ruthless Trust, put it this way. We have not accepted the acceptance of Jesus. We have not accepted the acceptance 
of Jesus. Truth is, our trust gives him pleasure. Our trust gives him pleasure. He loves it. Now, if God is not loving, if God is not loving, trust is foolish. But if God is loving, trust is everything. If God is loving, if God is who he says he is, trust is everything. It's everything. So let's, let's walk through this. The Bible is the soil. Everywhere the New Testament speaks about growing in faith, it says, I want you to grow in faith so that you won't be blown around by every new idea. God wants us to be established in faith through his word so that we're not blown around by every new idea, every fancy thing that comes along. He wants us to be established and rooted in faith. And so he's given us this book and he's saying, read this. I'm going to tell you all about myself in this book. Read it. Ask the Holy Spirit to interpret it. Ask the Holy Spirit to teach you through it. I want to establish you. This, this is the soil that I want to plant you in. The Word of God. The Word of God describes for us in detail the trustworthiness of God. It is the soil that trust is planted in. 2 Timothy 2.13 says, If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. 2 Thessalonians 3.3 says, The Lord is faithful, who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Psalm 9 verse 10 says, Those who know your name trust in you. Lord, you have never forsaken those who seek you. Those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. The word of God is the soil that God wants to plant us in. He tells us clearly, I am faithful, I am trustworthy. You can believe me. You can depend on me. So second, prayer is the moisture. To grow in trust, we have to allow God to see us the way we are. And and I believe that this happens more in prayer than anywhere else. Prayer, I think, is the doorway to intimacy. And intimacy is the thing that God wants for us. Intimacy is the water that causes trust to grow. Uh, last week we said that his promises are true. Do you remember that? How many of you believe that God's promises are true? How many of you believe that God's promises are good? Well, I, I want to let you in on a little secret. His promises are true. His promises are good. Do you know what's better than his promises? The promiser. The promiser is even better than the promise. The promiser is so beyond anything that we can think of. God is more than we can know. His glory is incomprehensible and unapproachable. He is completely other. 
beyond anything you have ever thought of, dreamed of, conceived in your mind. You can't even imagine who he is, what he's like. He is so far beyond anything that our feeble mind can imagine. But he leans in and he draws near and he says, come closer. This God that is so unbelievably holy and so enormous and so uncomprehendable says, come closer. This God who the very sight of him would cause us to run the other way instead says, come closer. Come closer. I want you to know me. I want you to be close to me. The Bible describes eternal life like this in John chapter 17. This is eternal life that you may that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is eternal life, knowing God is eternal life. I had a friend one time who said the reason knowing God is eternal life is because it takes forever. (laughs) Maybe. But we need to understand that this knowing that he's talking about here is not an intellectual understanding. In the Hebrew, knowing is felt. It's not just understood, it's felt. There's a Dutch theologian, Edward Schillebeck, and he said, Christianity is not a message that has to be believed. It is an experience that has become a message. Christianity is an experience that has become a message. There is a message of the gospel because people experienced life in him. Knowing God comes through encounter. It comes through encounter. You cannot know God without encountering him. You can know about him. If I could be so bold as to say that the knowing that the Bible talks about when it says that we want to know him and that he wants us to know him, it is closer to what you experience with your spouse than what you learn in school. When we think of knowing, we think about going to school and learning stuff. We think about reading books and memorizing things and learning things. And and that's all well and good, but that's not the end of knowing. When it comes to knowing God, he wants us to know him the way you would know your spouse. When the Bible talks about He knew her. It's an intimate relationship, an intimacy that is built on love to the max. And that's what he wants for us. He wants this intimacy. Knowing God comes from encounter. You can't can't know God without experiencing him. Now, trust grows as we shift away from attempts to be good 
and towards allowing ourselves to be loved. Once you begin to allow yourself to be loved, you, you won't have to spend near as much time trying to be good. Because he will ravish your heart in such a way that being good becomes your nature. Trust grows when we shift away from attempts to be good and towards allowing ourselves to be loved. I have five grandchildren. One of them is really young. And so she, she can't walk yet. And so she can't run into my office. But her day's coming. Uh, but it's happened. It happened this past week. It's happened more than once. I'm in a meeting. There's somebody in my office. We're having a serious conversation. And all of a sudden, my door flies open. And one of my grandchildren comes running across the room. And they jump into my lap in my chair. Totally and completely appropriate. (laughs) Totally and completely appropriate. And that is the posture that God wants us to have with him. That we would run through the door, not even paying attention to who else is there, and jump into his lap. Because he is that kind of father. He is that kind of father. You know, a slave, when they meet with their master, tells them, tells the master what is needed and what is wanted. A son or a daughter, when they meet with their daddy, shares with him their hopes, their dreams, maybe their disappointments and their fears. But it's just different. It's different. And we have a father who says, trust me, come to me, share your heart with me. And then there's number three, the suffering. Suffering is the exercise. Without exception, trust has to be purified by the cross of trial and difficulty. Now, there are times when God does things quickly. There are times even when God does things suddenly. And, you know, when he gives me a choice, I choose that. <laughs> but he doesn't give me a choice very often. You know, I, I think all of us, if we had a choice and God said, okay, you can, hmm, you can do this, you can go through this process, it'll be really hard and grueling and, and you'll suffer, but it'll shape you. It'll, it'll form you. It'll make you into the person that I've called you to be. Or you can just, boom, snap me perfect. We would choose instant. But instant doesn't mean better. In, in fact, usually instant is not better. Most of what God does in our life, he does through process. He does through a process, a, a, a shaping. You know, when... Uh, When James and John's mother said, Lord, um, I'd like for my sons to be on your right and left. 
Do you think that excited them? I think they went, oh, mom. Mom, please. Because, hear me, when she says to Jesus, I would like for my sons to be on your left and your right, she purchased for them a death sentence. Because only the wounded can lead. Only those who are willing to go through the fire can lead. But it's worth it. It's worth it. You know, I, I'll confess that there are times when I, when I want my relationship to God to mean that my life becomes peaceful and joyful and easy. I mean, who wouldn't sign up for that? But Jesus said, in this life, you'll have trouble. And he said, they've hated me, they'll hate you. And then we're surprised when they do. There's fire to go through. But it's so worth it. We, we tend to focus on jewels for our crown. He focused on scars for his hands and feet. That's the difference. If you choose leadership, which, if you'll remember, that's all of you, then no. There is a fire to go through. But it's worth it. Trusting God doesn't guarantee that the fog will lift. It may not. It's all the more reason we need trust. Trust does not presuppose even that God will intervene. Jesus Jesus said, Father, if there's another way. In in fact, what Jesus was praying was, Father, would you intervene? Would you change the plan right now? Nevertheless, not my will, but yours. Trusting does not presuppose that God will intervene. Trust places no conditions on God. Trust is more a product of who we believe him to be rather than what we want him to do. Let me say that again. Trust is more a product of who we believe him to be than what We want him to do. Do you know what trust says? Trust says, I give up. You win. Trust says, I give up. I'm not going to try to talk you into doing it my way anymore. I give up. Not my will, but yours. I give up 
you win. If God is not loving, trust is foolish. If God is loving, if God is who he says he is, trust is everything. Now, I'm going to give you a a prayer. I'm going to put it up on the screen. I don't want to let you read it. Just read it to yourself. I'll read it out loud. I surrender. I trust you. I love you with all my heart. And I place my confidence in you. You are my Abba. And here's the deal. Uh, we're going to, I'm going to get our teams. If y'all go ahead and get ready. Uh, we're going to, we're going to have what we're going to call a trust tunnel today. Right down the center. I want you to just read this over and over. And when you're ready, or if at some point you're ready, to pray this, then I'm going to invite you to come down the tunnel. Just come down through the prayer tunnel. And let. And the, these people, they're not going to touch you. They're not going to stop you. So just move through the tunnel. They're just going to pray over you that God would give you the grace to trust. Trusting, making the choice to trust doesn't mean that you walk out of here and you're instantly trust. It means that you have given God permission to do whatever it takes to bring you to the place of trust. Scary thing, but such a good thing. So we've also got teams in the front after you come through the tunnel if you want to come, if you want to go to a team and get prayer more specific. Now, let me say this too. There may be some of you here today who have never put your faith in Jesus. You've never said, Lord, save me from my sin. I I want to be yours. And and that's the first choice of trust. And if if that's you, as you come down through this tunnel today, know that the Lord is going to hear your heart and meet you in this tunnel. And then I encourage you to go to one of these teams and tell them, I gave my life to Jesus today. And they will pray for you and point you towards uh, other opportunities to grow in that. I surrender. I trust you. I love you with all my heart. And I place my confidence in you. You are my Abba. You are my 